0: I'm Sonia Morton-Firth and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton-Firth Show. Today, my guest is Andy Reid, MBE. A war veteran, author, speaker, skydiver, cyclist and charity fundraiser. On the 13th of October 2009, while serving in Afghanistan, he stepped on an IED, lost both his legs and right arm. Since then, he's got married, skydived, cycled from Land's End to John O'Groats and raised a lot of money for charity. This interview shows how an extraordinary man accepts responsibility and refuses to be a victim. Andy, first of all, can I just say thank you very much for coming all the way down. It's because like, I know you're from up north, I've got to say that. Coming to see me in my home in Richmond, thank you so much. It's a real honor having you here in my new pad.
1: Oh, no problem at all. It's fantastic to come down, yeah. Get a bit of a headache sometimes when I come down south. Do you? But, uh, Do you know what? <laughs> I had a permanent headache for 20 years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's really nice to hear a northern accent. Whereabouts are you from?
1: So Did I'm you? from St. Helens, yeah. Uh, a rugby town up um, north mm. in between Manchester and Liverpool. Uh,
0: and don't you, don't you get people saying, oh, is
1: that Liverpool? Yeah, so the other week when I was down here and they said, Where are you from? I thought, Don't say me am near Manchester because that's on lockdown, so don't say oh, that. I yeah. thought, oh. It's near Liverpool. But St. in it's only a small uh, industrial town, really. you coal, glass, uh, rugby league. That's the real game they play up north, not the one they play down here, the um, rugby union. Oh, yeah, so um, you know. Uh, yeah, the... <laughs> yeah I'll I it up north, you know. I spent, uh, I spent some time uh, based in Warminster, I was near Bath and Salisbury. Uh, but when it comes to leaving the forces, I thought I need to go back home to my, to my hometown. That's where I'm from, lovely. that's where the family's from. So good to be. And pick, you're
0: still so there, yeah. but we're having a broom now in London, and I'm yes. glad you're here. Um, Andy, before, I mean, obviously, I want to talk, you've got an amazing life, I'm dying to get into it. But the first question I want to ask you was why the army? When you, at what age did you join, and why did you want to go into the army?
1: Yeah, so when I was probably about 10 or 11, um, you used to go out to your grandparents' house on a Sunday, for Sunday dinner, as you do, and under the stairs there was a little cupboard, and in there was hats and handbags and fur coats, and my sisters to go in there. Oh, it the sounds grandma. like the lion, the witch and the Wardrobe. my sisters to go in there and, and then do whatever the girls do when they're dressing up, but they're, they're quite annoying my sisters, so didn't... Did they not try and dress, dress you up? Well, they probably did most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I used to come to the stairs and get my granddad old army jacket, his old army scarf and run around the garden, pretending to be in the army. And Then I'd sit down with my grandfather and he went all the way through the Second World War and he'd tell me all these amazing stories of his time in the armed forces. And I just thought, when well, I grew up and become a big boy, I to follow my grandfather's footsteps and, and join the army. So from 11 or 12, that was my main goal and aspiration in life, was, yeah. was to join the armed forces, yeah. So during my time at school, that's all I did. Before. I thought, I want to join the army, so I'd keep myself super fit, play rugby, cross country. I'm not really good at football, you never you just get to pick with it. Or if I did get picked, i end up in goal. So I weren't, <laughs> I weren't really good at football. But anything else, was to keep myself fit, and um, and that was it, yeah. And then um, I, I didn't really concentrate very much on the you know, maths and English. I thought it was, it was quite boring. So um, they asked me to leave school in the third year, which um, looks a bit better on your CV than being expelled. So I weren't... I asked you to leave- yeah, they kind of oh, got what me. What did you do? You did well, something. <laughs> we were just disruptive. Me and my mate were a bit disruptive oh. and just we were in the same class together. We just mess about all the time. I only yeah. worked years later, so I was dyslexic. Um, and I missed a bit of schooling when, when I was young. My mum, uh, we were in a car crash when I was five. Uh, I bumped me in three places. My mum got her ankle crushed. Wow. So I was kind of like passed around the family. So I probably missed the first six, eight months at school. So that kind of put me on the back foot at school, I think that's what that's probably about. But it we weren't really picked up at school, I think I just it was just disruptive and, and naughty. So he got me and my friend in and went right, one of you, you can have to leave. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll go. So I, I left and went to a different school course to where I lived and just kept up the dream uh, of joining the armed forces, yeah.
0: And then you made that dream come true? Was it that
1: easy? Well, no, not really, no. I uh, left school at 16. Uh, went down to the army crews office, uh, St. Helens there. It's in the same place as the tax office, so I try and reward it nowadays. <laughs> but then I was right keen to get down there. Uh, knocked on the door, big guy comes to the door, big red sash on his chest, a couple of stripes on his arm. I said, all right, mate, I said, I want to join the army. He said, all "Right, well, first of all, don't call me mate up again. I said, I'm a sergeant. I, I called him so a sergeant. He said, uh, what regiment do you want to join? I said, I'm not your 4 to be honest. I said, um, what regiment are you in? So I'm the Queen's Lancashire Regiment Infantry. So that sounds all right, so I'll join them. And he's like, right then, we'll come inside. we we'll have to do a couple of tests. And then it was like a bit of a test on the computer you have to do, and then a quick health check. So test the computer, a bit nervous about what we have not done too well at school, but luckily it was a multiple choice test. So I thought I'd be A's, A, B, C, A, B, C, D. And I, I got through the test. Close my eyes, I'll yeah. do that one. And then um, did the medical Took my height. I was about eleven then, I'm about 5'8 now, maybe a little bit smaller. Mm. Well, I'll get a super pants, so it's not a bad name, really. Um they took me, took my my weight and um said Yo, you're Mr. Idiot, you're now now stone. I said, Yeah, I know I'm always running around, keep myself super fit. Yeah, yeah. He said, Well unfortunately you're underweight for your height. There's a
0: weight restriction yeah, for
1: the army the back- yeah. height weight ratio, so, yeah. There was back then, you're talking probably ninety ninety two, back then, something like that, you know, the army probably weren't recruiting as much as they are now, there's no the conflict on. So he said you to have to go away and put some weight on. So I walked away, very disappointed with myself, very angry at myself.
0: Well I guess because you kept yourself fit and probably yeah, tried
1: you. keep fit uh, rather than eat chips, I'm going to keep myself yeah. fit, you know, so I walked away and I thought right, what job can I do that's going to get me a bit bigger, get me a bit stronger and achieve that goal of joining the army. So I got a job as a labourer on a building site with that for a bit, um, then I got a job in a sausage factory, <laughs> yeah, that helped. Yeah, <laughs> I did helped. Well, I it it <laughs> helped, yeah, um, and then I got the job as a the truck driver and doing four days on, four days off in a factory in Airdrop. Not the not the best job in the world, really. But on the four days off, I went to the gym, got a personal trainer, worked with the Army. He happened to be an ex Royal Marine, this guy. I told him to join the Army. So he said, do this, do this, do this. So I got there and bought myself up. It took me until I was 21, 25 years to be able to achieve that goal of uh, joining the Army. But, uh,
0: but in, in those five years, if you look back now, do you think that, that sort of taught you anything? Because I, I guess it gave you an experience of, civilian life if you hadn't have, if you hadn't done those five years and you've gone straight to the army.
1: Yeah, well that's what the, when you're on like, on uh, an exercise, and in soldier plane somewhere and it's raining and it's freezing and you've just been woke up and you've had like two hours sleep or whatever, then other lads are there and going, this is absolutely rubbish. You're like, it's not my mate. No, we're sat in the field, we're getting wet. There's no real enemy coming. No, it could be worse. You could be doing 12 hours shift in it. In a, in a factory for £140 pound a week, you know. So the grass isn't always greener. Well, I think a lot of guys who join the army at 16 and that's all they ever know, straight from school, a lot of them like, this is rubbish, it's actually, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm signing off. Because they think there's something better on, yeah. the, on the other side, only in the other field or whatever. Um, and I, just give me that perspective that actually, yeah, I'm getting wet and cold. It's an exercise. No one's actually going to come and attack us. And um, half past six to one in, and next we'll be finished. We all go back to camp and home for the weekend having beers, happy days. So I, I always had that perspective that Civil Street is hard work. You have got to work hard to, to pay the bills and, and, and earn the money. Especially in my position, you left school with like no qualifications, it's limited what jobs you can actually do. And I think if I'd not joined the army, I was getting to the stage where I was chatting to certain people, hanging around with certain people, and I could have gone down that path. So I'm glad that, that the twenty one fall four so many more for again went down with the tests and, and passed all the tests and, and yeah i look back and you know, no no regrets whatsoever about you know, joining the armed forces maybe the person who I around today and some of the experiences that i've had being in the army are absolutely amazing you know, so i've been to some countries that are not so great which we'll, we'll talk about no doubt well, because you know, <clears throat> obviously i
0: want to talk about really what, what happened and that yeah. day that changed your life but before we get there how was army life before then
1: it, it was amazing. You know, uh 1999, I climbed Kilimanjaro, you know, third uh, ice mountain that... in the world. So um, I read the notice board one day, so it wanted 15 volunteers to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm thinking, 18 months ago, I was driving a folly truck in a factory, and now I'm getting the chance to climb the th- uh, third eye mountain in the world. And so, had you
0: been had you, uh, had you, been in war zones at this point? I've uh, been
1: two years in Ireland. I've so just done two years in Ireland. uh 1998, I was over there, so the the on, one on went off. When I, when I was over in, in Ireland, so I was pretty much straight into training, went from training straight to Ireland, then a year of being in Ireland, the only one went off. So I was straight into the harsh reality of what could happen mm. during your time in the armed forces. But for, you know, it took me five years I'd worked to achieve this goal, being in the army, these things are going to happen during my time in the army. So when I put that to one side and kept I'm working hard and try and get promoted and go on the chain of command, so then when you see, you know, do you want to go and the third mountain in the world? for free. Thank you to the taxpayers, like, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. So I went over there, you know, a week to get to the bottom of the mountain, we five days up, one day down, and then four days in Zanzibar to chill out Was beach. it for
0: charity or for some
1: sort of... Adven- adventure training. Adventure training?
0: Adventure, adventure,
1: adventure drinking, that. as we call it. The oh, land, there you yeah. go. Go somewhere hot, do something hard, have a few beers, yeah, happy days. I-, I feel
0: like we're a bit of an advert for the army mm-hmm. here. Yeah, 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 Join the army, and yeah. you know. Yeah. I've done
1: some amazing things, you know, I've also... Um, Walk for the Grand Canyon from one side to the other, so I read again the notice board, wanted ten volunteers this time, Goes to Las Vegas for three weeks, like, yeah, I a Where you sign <laughs> up? Yeah, so, although you also know Ireland and Cossack for me, two tours of Iraq, then Afghans, as we'll come on to, there, are, there is opportunity to go and do some amazing things, um as well in the army, you know, five years living in Germany, I did about two years in Canada, so, I've done some amazing things in, in the armed forces, but I think I joined at a time in like 1997. I joined when conflict was just about starting to happen, but then there's also possibilities to go and do adventure training mm. as well. Where I think if some of the guys joined maybe like 2003, 2004, 2005, it was just like Afghan, Afghan, com- yeah. Af- Iraq, and that was kind of it, and not much opportunity to go and do to adventure training. So, I think people who maybe joined it at uh, 16, joined that period, went straight to Afghan, lost both the legs, Maybe me back in the army think, this is not what I expected was going to happen.
0: Well, well I'm, I, so you're sitting here and talking, Andy, in, with amazing positivity about the army. Yeah, obviously we know what, what happened to you, and yet you've still got this, this um, like you talk about it, like you absolutely love it, and and, and I could imagine maybe another person sitting here and going oh my god look what happened to me because of the army now uh, yeah
1: i think it's because you, yeah. i have had that opportunity to go and do some amazing things mm-hmm. and i also knew what path i was possibly taking before i joined the army these opportunities wouldn't become available to me i maybe could have ended up on the wrong side of the tracks you know going down that path and not live the life that, that i've had and, you know um uh, hand on heart for me if you said to me tomorrow, and you can have your legs back, or you back to the same life you had before, yeah. or stage right you are now, hundred percent, I'll tell you I'm now. People that, meet me, the things I'm doing, two young kids, that can be home and put them in bed every night and read them a story. You know, life, life's good at, at the moment. You know, maybe years to come, PTSD might happen with me, or it's not happened so far. Getting so okay. busy and motivated and. But it may be put one day, might in it? I don't know what's round what's round what? the corner. But at the moment, life's amazing, and I'm just enjoying every day and doing things like this. What we're doing now, would I have been doing that if I'd not? Been well, we're
0: talking about pork milk. pies and sausages or something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about that day. Yeah. Are you, are you firstly Are you okay yeah, to talk there. about that? So, take me back. It was October the thirteenth.
1: Yeah, it's October the thirteenth, two thousand nine. So up to 11 years this year yeah uh, so I've been out there in Afghanistan uh, me and my seven guys and the Yorkshire regiment uh, were attached to the fusiliers uh, we went out there with what's called BCRs so battlefield casualty replacements so we knew we were stepping into uh, a dangerous environment and uh, on the 13th of October I got attached to on a routine foot patrol um, at past four in the morning I was going to be the lead section with two sections um, in reserve so we set off. Half past four, it started to get a bit cool, it was October, so it was probably 17, 18 degrees, something like that. Um, We've been going for about 10 minutes or so, and a young guy in front me, um, Jeremy Haste, my um, ballon guy with metal detector, he's obviously sweeping from, from left to right as we're going up the path. He said, Andy, there's um, some barbed bar wire here, pal. He said, We're going to have to go in a different direction. He said, No, no worries, Jeremy, take a knee, look out to your front. I told the rest of the guys, kneel down, get some water on board, buddy, buddy system. You know what they were doing. And I looked across to the right hand side and there was three tracks from towards the Village. Now two of the tracks have no markings on whatsoever. The third track has some footprints on it, some cattle markings, mm. and even some motorbike tracks as well. So I looked at my watch and it was about five to five in the morning. Now I know that like the local population puts a prairie is about five in the morning, so a quarter to five, twenty to five people generally start walking about. Uh, Night time in October it gets quite windy, so the tracks generally get, get blown over. So I thought that trap must have been used in the last 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. or so. So I said, Right, Jamie, we're going to go down that trap with my pal on the right hand side. She said, Yeah, no worries. So he started getting his kit on, could see him standing up. Turned around, said, Right, boys, get your kit on, follow me. I looked forward, could see Jamie going forward with his metal detector, could see his footprints in the sand as he we went forward. So I started walking behind Jamie, turning around, looking where I was going, seeing what the boys were doing. Went about two or three meters forward, and then stepped on the IED um, device. So the next thing then I was aware of, I lay on the floor, big dust cloud all around me. I couldn't hear anything. All my mouth was full of dust and dirt. It was quite strange, there weren't any pain. I felt like I stone numbers from my body. So like a big pot forward just ran into me, but I knew something violence had happened to me. So I looked down, couldn't see my legs at that stage. Straight away I started thinking self-help, I need some morphine, some tourniquets. So I looked across this right arm, it was like twisted behind my back, I looked across this hand and that finger uh, was hanging off, so I was made a fist. Oh, sorry, I'm just... Uh, you up, not, yeah. I hadn't noticed your hand yeah. before. And then, um, I knew then I couldn't get to my first aid kit myself, uh, so I started shouting as loud as I possibly could for the, for the medic. Quite surreal, because I couldn't hear myself shouting, but I knew I was shouting as loud as I could. Um, luckily, young Jamie got blown forward in the blast, and he took some shrapnel to his, um, his back and his behind. But he started pulling back towards me, uh, started giving some morphine, which was tornicated on my limbs, and one of the other guys come back from the rear of the section. And I was see him speaking to me, but I couldn't, I couldn't hear what he was saying, I just see his mouth moving, but I knew the guys were there then, and I knew the guys would do the job that like the train to do, so I just closed my eyes and kind of drifted um, in and out of consciousness. And were um, and, is... and you
0: we in a pain? Could you, could you remember if you were in pain?
1: I wasn't I in pain, no, I think it just like the adrenaline obviously kicked in and giving gave me the morphine, but then, you know, probably within less than, Thirty seconds doing whacking morphine um, in Smith. So I don't remember being in any being in any pain. I was probably screaming screaming out, but I think your, your mind kind of maybe blocks that yeah. blocks that out. You know, I think other guys I've spoken to who've been injured in similar circumstances don't really speak about screaming out in in pain. I think your mind just kind of blocks that out, kind of thing. Uh, and they decided rather than get a helicopter into our location, we're only about three k's away from the main camp, so they brought a, a shackle vehicle in. Got me onto the back of the stretcher, took me back to the to our um, fob, and then from there we got headed helicopter to back to um, Camp Bastion.
0: At any point when you were conscious, did you think you were going to die, or did you think this this was it?
1: Not really, didn't really, No, not, not not that I can recall thinking that. I just thought the, the guys really, you know, and the, and the guys are going to do the job that like they train to do, you know, and they'll 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 do what they've got to do and and get me and get me back there. I don't think it really um, crept into crept into my mind, and then. Um, no, that, not that I can recall. And because everyone has Jay- different different memories, suppose, memories of it. Memories of
0: it. What was because Jamie was in front of you? Surely he would have stood on. Would he not have had the first blast?
1: Would he have? Well, these IEDs, as as you say, they're improvised explosive devices. They're not like a man-made landmine, where we used to manufacture during the Second World War. You mm. stand on it, that it. it goes off, or when you take your foot off it, then it goes off. These are like um, pressure plates. ID as well so maybe some of them are manufactured so the first person steps on it that's a bit of pressure mm-hmm. and the next person steps on it, it's a bit more and then it goes off the from what i understand of it all you know, they don't want the first person to stand on the id but then you've got a safe path to where that person is and he's driving backwards and we're safe they think they, they want the second or third person to cause a bit of confusion between the team of what's of what's going on but. This and that's so it's irrelevant to it, me. Yeah, of course it is. You know, of course it is. Jamie went out there with his metal detector, did the best job he possibly could. People say, "Oh, what well, he didn't find the ID," so do you blame Jamie for what happened? Mm. Well, it's No, tough. you know, yeah. Jamie probably blamed himself. For what mm. happened? Mm. I, I don't blame Jamie at, yeah. at all. For what happened? It, it's happened. That's it. I put that to bed and, and and move on. There's no point dwelling about what's happened. You know, I've spent um, about ten days in. In, uh, well, three days in critical care, then moved up to the main ward and we got back to the Seahawks in Birmingham. I remember listening to other guys talking, and a few of them was blaming the government, blaming the Taliban, blaming the army for the situation they was in. Like I say, young lads who were in the 20s and maybe expected more from, from the army, expected the army to give them more in life than going straight on tour and losing some limbs. They were blaming somebody else, and, and I lay there and I thought, ultimately, I joined the army. So ultimately, the response what happened to me largely myself. And by accepting that responsibility, I think that's what's been able to move forward. Mm. You know, rather than blaming Jamie, that's not going to help me move life forward.
0: No, I don't think. Maybe
1: It's me. Me bitter and angry and depressed and, and Jamie does feels bad. Of Yeah, And, and Jane, him. Jamie was doing his job, right? Yeah, he was doing his job and that's he using the, his best ability that he's got and you know, the best equipment that he's got, he was using that. And blaming the army, it's, again, it's not going to make change fundamentally what's happened, it's happened. So let's embrace that really in some ways. And,
0: and, and move on with it. I mean, it's amazing that, like, you sit there and you can say you don't, like, blame anybody. Um, and obviously, you're taking... T- uh, you've got an amazing, amazing, amazing attitude, but is there... Was there never a point at which you just felt angry at the situation?
1: Oh, yeah, you know, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm human at the end of the day. I'm saying, you know, I'm, I do get frustrated, I do get angry, and, um, like, not you know, trying to transfer... Into the bath for the first time at home and, and slipped and, and fell on the floor. You, you know, you, you get angry you know, and, you, and you shout. And um a little boy now, and William, one time was in the garden, walking, and was walking towards his nettles. You know, and I'm thinking he's going to get himself stung on nettles, so I can't just break into a sprint and go and grab him. Mm-hmm. So I had to shout really loud, and then he stopped, he started crying. Wow. I went and picked him up, brought him in, and I'm thinking to myself, what if that would have been a car? What if that would have been. Something else, you know. I went to a room and lay down and had a little cry for a bit. And I, was, I was angry because I couldn't protect my own, my own son. I've been to a different country protecting and, and doing that job, and then I can't kind even of protect my own son because of the situation that I was in. So I was angry, I did I did blame. You know, but I used to send myself to there and doing this and doing that. But then you sit down, and reflect, and think, you know what, where's that streamer? Now there's no nettles in my garden. No, you think get rid of the yeah. get rid of the problem. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's the thing. You think differently now. You think get rid of the problem that's going to or the the danger before it can potentially happen. So you think differently now when you are doing things and you take more time to do things because you've got to think of it different because you can't you can't blame. I don't think it it doesn't help. Well, it it, it doesn't no. it doesn't.
0: But I think it's quite an easy thing for a lot of people to do. Yeah. It's like it's easier to take. That attitude of it's somebody else's uh, fault rather than actually saying not that it's anyone's fault, but you're sort of taking responsibility for your own actions yeah. and your own choices. I think we've brought
1: up, you know, you play football at school and someone passes you the ball and you don't receive it, and straight away you go, Well, we rubbish past mate, thanks for that. Yeah. Instead of thinking to yourself, Maybe I you should have ran a bit faster, yeah. and a bit slower, but you'd be constantly, I think, instantly look to blame mm. Completely well, sometimes you've got to look in the mirror and ask yourself some serious yeah, questions. Absolutely. I
0: think. Yeah, going back to the day that you woke up, and you either well, well were you told at that point you've lost your, you've lost two legs and, and your right arm, or did you did you know at that point?
1: Well, or, I, I, I woke up after three days think, uh, 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 in Cellular Tropical in Birmingham, which is now uh, the QE, you know, an amazing place, amazing people who work there the and post time back together. Um, and I woke up in a, a very dimly lit room, there like crisp white walls, crisp white sheets on the bed, that distinct smell of like bleach and clean detergent and, and death that you have in, in them hospital environments. And um, as I ran to look, there was a couple of people stood around the bed and I didn't know where I was or who these people were at first. I started shouting and screaming at these people. And then the doctor came over and reassured where I was and started explaining to me and the family what had happened. So they said, you know, you lost your right leg all the knee, the left leg above the knee, the right arm above the elbow. And the doctor explained this to it was my mum, um, my dad was there, my step-mum, that's why I was probably screaming, and then the girlfriend was on the other side of the bed. And um, when the doctors explained this to, to me and the, and the family, I, I kind of thought, I'm surviving at a victim, so I'm still here. And unfortunately, seven guys from my regiment passed away, two guys who were on patrol with um, in, in Afghanistan from the fugitive leaders passed away, and I thought, I'm, st- I'm still here, ultimately, um, and you start setting myself some goals and, and start moving life forward. And people find that quite hard to believe. I had that instant thing, but for me, looking back on life, you know, at five years old, I was in a car crash, my leg in three places. I wanted know. to
0: take you back if you saw any parallels between that I, and
1: I, um... Yeah, I've grown my wrist twice at school. You know, when I was 11, my mum had a leg amputated, so I could won't be an amputee. I've always been on the back foot, I think I've always had to work hard for what I want to achieve. I've always had, I've grown up with adversity in my life from a very early age so for me this was like another What's, what's happening now? Another thing that's happened. Do
0: you ever might, think you were a warrior yeah. in in a previous life? I might've been Hitler. I don't know what. I don't know you, you look like gladiator. <laughs> You've got a Russell Crowler <laughs> from the Gladiator there,
1: going <laughs> <must laughs> on. be quite bad, I think, if you if you believe in that kind of thing. No, I don't know, but no, I just think your your past, your childhood does does nature or nurture is the word to, to who you are today, doesn't it? And, uh, Absolutely. You know, I, I, and having had all these adversity as a young child, made me a strong person, made me mm. quite resilient, yeah. made me have to work to get what I want to achieve, you know, it took me five years to join the army, you know. And you didn't so, give up, and yeah. you kept
0: going because you knew you wanted something and you just
1: kept so, at it. So I can't blame the army for what's happened, it took me five years to actually get get in, and like I say, I went to, was uh, involved in some things early on in my army career work for I thought, actually, this is not for me, this, I'm going to sign up that paper and I'll be out. But, I loved it. I actually loved being in the armed forces, you know, I loved the crack and the Panther with, with all the lads. So I was like 33, still still single at that stage, i only in mean, McClure, about eight months before I went to, to Afghanistan. So I was like riding a motorbike, living in the block, I had my own house up north. I was living the dream when I, when I was in the army. You know, it, it was an amazing, an amazing time. So I look back with, with great, great memories of being in the armed forces. And I don't miss marching around and having to polish your boots and all that, but I miss the lads and I miss the Mr. Banton, Mr. banter and missed opportunities that the Army can, can give you.
0: So you've mentioned Claire, and I, and I want to go uh, talk about this a little bit. You've you just been going out a few months, is that before you were out that?
1: Yeah, so I was over in Canada and um, my sister messaged me on uh, Facebook and said, right, I'm, I'm working uh, with this girl called Claire. who works in a, in a bar together, so it's, uh, it's my birthday in, uh, in December. So you and Claire are going to organise my uh, third birthday party, so you best help each other. So I was like, right, yeah, okay. So then we started chatting with Claire about my sister's party for about 10 minutes, and then just started chatting, chatting to each other, uh, build that up, come back from Canada. We went on a, on a date, and then just went from there. That was like uh, November 2008, and then went to in July 2009
0: so so, so, sh- so you really haven't been together that long not
1: long because i think i went to kuwait before i on some pre-training in kuwait i was only going home on weekends so all in all probably actually about three months in days that was actually spent together before i went to afghan for three months and then come back with the amputees which well, is
0: so, probably a big deal for any any relationship yeah. let's face it lockdowns put most relationships in the bag. Yeah. but then you're faced with um, you know, your boyfriend, not husband, not fiancé, you know, and you're in this position. Did you think she was going to stay with you? A big ask,
1: isn't it? You know, she was 27 at the time, young woman with her own, her own career moving forward. You know, and, I, and I did say to Claire I had that brutal discussion with her. I said, if you want to walk away, walk away, because I won't hold it against you at all. This is going to be life-changing for, for both of us. And she said, I'm daily the same person who I've, who I've met and who I felt and like we'll we're going to work for this together. And, and and that was it then, you know, from then on. We just packed on and got to doing things together, and, and here we are today. We're, we're up to, here.
0: and I'm quite conscious you've been up to a lot more. And um, I'm dying to delve into this, but we've come to the end of our part one of this series of two episodes, which i can't can't wait to hear more yeah. about you. But before we end this, I've still got to ask my final question, and that is, if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find? What would that message be?
1: I think it'd probably be, um, don't look back and dwell on on what's happened, look forward to what you you can achieve and crack on.
0: Andy, I can't wait for us to speak again Uh, in part two. This has been great and it's been a total, real honor speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you,
1: it's been great.
0: Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox. This show is sponsored by the Veterans Channel. The Veterans Channel is an on-demand and free video streaming service. The Veterans Channel gives a voice to service men and women, allowing them to share their experience in unique and authentic ways. Watch the Veterans Channel at www.theveteranschannel.com or download the Veterans Lifestyle app to get instant access to all the great content.